Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. That's right. It is HopeNet Radio tonight. It's Jeff and DW again hanging out. We've got Kyle and Todd sitting in studio again with us tonight. So maybe we should just stick them on all of our PR stuff. That'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Can you say that? Anyway, uh, tonight. <laughs> no, I don't know. Tonight, Dave, uh, we're continuing the conversation from last week. And if you missed last week's episode, it was kind of kind of scrambled. It's been kind of a three-week now process uh, talking about this bigger issue of where all the good men have gone. We interviewed Andrew Schwab back in the early part of October. And uh, you can get all these latest episodes on iTunes or on our website, hopenet360.com. So uh, make sure to check those out and listen in because tonight we're continuing that conversation of where all the good men have gone. And we've addressed some of the issues, some of the core issues of where guys are at. Some of us are struggling with addictions. Again, it's, I think today's men are having an identity crisis, honestly. And uh, when I look out in the culture and we talked about it in the last show, when, uh, when you look out and you see the role models, that guys are living after you look at what our entertainment industry is putting out as far as how they view guys and the uh, the stereotypical guy. It's one of those that you you don't really respect in today's age. You look at the Homer Simpsons of, of entertainment and you're like, yeah, that wouldn't be the guy that I really want to emulate. But that's what's being put out in our culture. And it's almost what we're buying into as guys. We're taking a back seat. We're not leading. We're not sitting up for what's right. But instead, we're going by our own vices. We're going by our own opinions. And we're leading by our own rationale. And um, so tonight we're going to address those issues, but we're also going to give some insight and hopefully help you to address it and to let you know that it's not a it's not something you have to buy into and move along with. But we can all make our own choices as men. So I'm not going to shortcut this episode. We're going to have a good conversation about this. You can get involved on the conversation tonight. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com or connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, Dave, I'm talking really fast because I'm really excited, but I'd love to hear from you uh, that you would just share some thoughts from your wisdom, from your years of being a man, and uh, from mentoring many young men in their walk of faith, in life itself, and some of the insights that you've learned and you've gleaned over the years. You know, I hope that people will go back and listen to the program um, and podcast, I mean, get it on their podcast, whatever, because a lot of this stuff just fits right in together, and they can listen to it. I believe the podcasts don't have music on it even. Is that, they don't is that have the, music on so, it. So if you're going to listen to just the words and stuff, you want to do that, it can just flow very quickly for you. Yep. Because there's some things that are, that are common themes coming up here. As we talk about really being men and, and, and living the way that God created us to, I really want to encourage men to go back right to the Garden of Eden where they see that God created a man from the very dust of the ground. And before that man could do anything, before he could do anything, he was just clay. He was just sitting there molded. And, and what actually happened, it tells us, is that God breathed into him. And that breath gave that clay life. Now, you're talking about Adam and Eve, correct? I am talking about Adam and Eve right at the beginning. Now, what's really interesting is, here's what I think men struggle with the most. Everything about life is really about intimacy. Intimacy with God intimacy with others. Now, let me define that though, because yeah, please do. immediately you, your, your minds go to whatever yep. you want that word to mean. Uh-huh. Uh, closeness. <laughs> you were made to be close to God. You were made, as Toby Mac said, to be loved by God. That's how you were made. And, and man was made to have relationships. Now we think differently about relationships than women. There's no doubt, but we were still made to have them and we're never going to be okay without them. You are not made to be alone. You're not made. I, I mean, God said that right in the garden. Mm-hmm. In fact, every young man that I have counseled, if they leave Nicolay Bible Institute or I know they're going out on their own, one of the things I ask them to do is not live alone. I said, please, would you get a roommate? Would you have somebody, another guy that, that, that could be in there and in your apartment, whatever it might be? Why? I don't think it's good for you to be alone. See, in reality, you're never really alone. 
because God sees, I mean, you're in the public of the whole angelic host, you know, and that kind of thing. But, but I want you to understand something that it's not really good for you to be alone. It's good for you to have someone to bounce things off of. It's good for you to be in interaction. It's good for you to be in communication. It's good for you to, to be in a relationship with people. And, and don't isolate yourself. When you start isolating yourself, you, you begin to really cause problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not meant to be islands. We are meant to be in a community and a part of something. So young men in general don't do that. And those that are married, uh, unfortunately, some people are married and they're as lonely as when they were single. And the reason, again, is is because they are looking to themselves. It's all about them. And when things don't work, instead of being a man by taking on the issues and solving them, they get passive about them. And, and so the issues never go away. Mm-hmm. We can't just look at issues and identify them. We have to be able to say, okay, now I'm going to do something different yeah. in order to, to, to make this happen. So. Dave, I want to take a, another perspective on this. We know as men how we're wired, and we know where we're, we're defective, but looking at it from a, a family context or even from a, a single girl's perspective, if we could even come up with that perspective, what are what are young women looking for in a man today, or what should they be looking for in a man today? I, I think that God wired them a certain way, again, right from the beginning. Woman was taken out of the rib of a man and, and is a helpmate to man. What they are looking for is a leader. I, I firmly believe that because God wired them that way. And some of the, the, the modern ladies' movements have made it sound like that's really evil. But really in life, that's not how it is. You and I have to understand that, that there is always order to anything that works. There always is. If you're going to choose at your home the color carpeting that's going to go in, somebody has to have the final say. You, you can't have it so that everybody has the final say if it's not the same color. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to have some kind of system. And, and God never said that men are superior, women are inferior. No, we're just different. Men are going to think differently. They're wired differently. Women are going to think differently. In fact, the, the women that I know are very good at relationships generally, and they're extremely tied to their children. They're tied to their children more than the men are tied to their children. And, you know, this makes sense to me. I, I never had that child growing within me. I never nursed that child. I never had that connection with that child, but, but my wife did. So she's going to have a different connection with them, which is why I believe men, listen carefully to this. I, I, I can't prove this, but, but I really believe that every young child that is born, of course, that's how they're born young, so that, that works, but, but every child that is born basically looks to their father because the father does not have that connection that the mother had right away. That is something that they're looking for. They're looking for that approval. They're looking for that guidance. They're looking for a, a, an example. They're looking for And men, if we go passive on that one, what happens is they have no one to look for. They, they kind of expect mom to be there. And, and again, you might say, Dave, you're, you're diminishing role. I'm really not. I, the, the roles are extremely important. There's not a more important one or less. I'm just trying to explain kind of the, the mental part of this whole yeah. thing. And, and the idea of needing dad. I mean, some, some women might get tired of hearing, oh, you know, absence of dad, that makes a big difference. Well, what about all us moms? Well, you know what? Yeah. It really takes two to really do this thing right mm-hmm. it, because we're different. And you as a child that listen to me, whether you're a guy or a girl, you know that you want your dad's approval. You yeah. want your dad in your life. You, where does that come from? When I grew up, same thing. It was like, mom, nah, no matter what happens, mom's mom. I mean, she's, she's there. Dad, I always wanted to get his approval. You know, and it wasn't, oh, so you didn't think as much as mom. No, I thought great of mom. It's just different. She, I had her approval. Doesn't matter. I was, a, I mean, I was part of her flesh. Yeah. You know, but dad, no. And that's why I think dads sometimes walk. It's, it's just harder for a woman to walk. On, on a child because of the fact that they were part of them. So sure. I don't know. Does that make sense, Jeff? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And again, it, it comes down to how we're wired. I mean, guys are rational thinkers, and we can we can detach rather quickly. And it, it's one of those it's one of those fight or flight things. Yeah. I think you know it's one of those where you have to, especially if you come home from a long day's work. We have this awesome ability to just shut it off, you know, leave it off. But sometimes we'll end up taking it home and taking it on our family or something. But when it comes down to it, we, we can, as guys, we can detach and we can disconnect. And unfortunately, the things that I've seen, you know, even even struggles within some of my own family, too. There were times where you just wonder, Dad, are you there? <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, he was there, but, you know, many dads are there, but they're not really there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, they can sit and watch television for hours and not say a word. See, anti-relational. I said earlier, relationship. 
We are wired to be intimate with people and with God. And what that means is we are to be intentional about those two things. You may not be intentional about everything else, but you need to be intentional about being with God and with people. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the specific things, some of the specific struggles that most men or I would probably say all men face. So we're going to continue this conversation in a minute after we play some music for you. You've got it locked into HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting, stressed out, need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Tonight we're asking the question, where have all the good men gone? And uh, you might think that's kind of a pessimistic title, but actually we're defining, in some ways, defining what manhood really is versus what our culture is saying that it is. And um, and choosing not to buy into the lies of what people maybe have done before us, maybe the examples that have been set before us. And for some of you listening, you might have grown up or you are growing up without a dad at home or a disconnected dad. So um, tonight we want to redefine what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a husband, and um, to realize that it's not just up to us, but it's... A lot of it does depend on our attitude and our openness and willing to change because for us guys, we know that we can be some of the hardest ones to change. It's easy for us to change things around us. We can change where we live. We can change you know, our situations. We can leave. We can disconnect. But the hardest person to change is yourself. And um, so tonight on the show, we're asking you, what, what happened to all the good men? What makes a man good in and of himself if there is anything? What does it mean to be a man and what should a man look like? What is this whole manliness thing? So um, you can join the conversation. Email us hope at hopenet360.com anytime during the week, anytime you have an idea or a thought or a question you'd love for us to ask or connect on Facebook and Twitter as well. So um, Dave, we've heard a lot of you in the last segment and I would love to get these guys perspective. Kyle and Todd are here with us as well from Nicolay Bible Institute. You guys have some, some good perspectives and I'm interested in what what it means to be a man in today's culture, what it means to be a real man, and um, what kind of man you hope to become one day and what you're working towards. So, Todd, let's, I want to start with you. Well, I hope to be a man that strives to know God and to make him known. Why? Because I, I feel like that's the Great Commission in a nutshell, basically, um, is to go out and to proclaim Christ to the nations, but I can't do that without knowing him myself. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, I know this, but a lot of our listeners might not realize this, but, I mean, you love music. Is that your is that your goal? Like, wouldn't you be more, I guess, your definition of success if you're a successful man? What would that look like to you? Oh, okay, that kind of success. Um, I would say, to me, to me I, yes, I would love to do something with music, but to make it big, quote-unquote, or whatever, is not really that important because I think if I write a song that helps somebody and changes their life and points them to Christ, if only one person is affected and their life is changed, I think that's success, to point somebody else towards Christ. I you're think, I you're think kind of using music for knowing Christ and making him known. I, I think that was your first summary statement, and, and that's what he's talking about. Is It's kind of getting everything under one umbrella, mm-hmm. if I get it right. Okay, so that's cool. Um you know, knowing Christ and making him known, that's really, it's really general. And that mm-hmm. might not mean the same thing to everybody. So I'm asking kind of that question, like, what does that look like? And so oh. maybe music plays into that or. Okay. The way I live, I definitely want to be somebody that when I get married, um, to be a provider, to be a protector, to, um, I guess, love her as Christ loves the church, basically. Um, and then when I'm a father, to give my kids the attention that I don't see many fathers giving their kids attention. I want to be firm, but merciful, know when to show grace. How are you going to yeah. learn that? I mean, are you going to be intentional about that, and how are you going to learn it? Yeah, I, well, the only <laughs> anything worth doing is going to take time. Um, and so I think, like we were talking about getting mentors, I believe that's really the only way to learn it in our culture, besides reading the Bible, and I believe Jesus was the ultimate example, but getting people that are older than me that can speak truth into my life and hold me accountable and help me to strive for being the man that I believe that God wants me to be. 
seems to be a recurrent theme that we keep talking about is, is finding somebody who loves God that's older than you, that you can be in their lives. And, and I really want to keep encouraging our listeners, get there. But also, you, you know, I know Kyle and Todd, you guys have heard me say you find people to mentor as well that are younger than you. You don't have to wait till you're my age to mentor. You, you need to start a lifestyle of mentoring. And that's disciple making, follow, uh, getting people to follow Jesus. So very good. That's very encouraging to hear. How about you, Kyle? Well, for me, I think there's several different things that um, I want to be. And the number one would be, I guess, a leader. When you talk about a man, I think the number one thing that God gives to men is you're the leader of the home. I want to be used by God, and I want God to work through me. And I know that he has set men out to be an example and to work through men as leaders. And that's, for me, I want to be used by God. I want to allow God to do that through me. So when I look forward to the future, I want to be somebody who gives my life to God and just is a mouthpiece of Christ. And every word that I say is of Christ. That's, I mean, that's my total. You know, that, that sounds really cool. Do you know what that's going to cost? Complete sacrifice. Okay. So, so, I mean, as you look at the Bible and you look at what you just said, I agree with you, by the way. I'm, I'm just wondering, have you, as in the age you're at now, have you thought about the cost that it would take to get to what you're talking about? And, and, and could you describe that a little bit if you're looking forward? What expectation would you have if you really are a leader, you're really an example, you're really loving God? What do you think you can expect in life? Well, I think you can expect a life. I think, well, examples that I think of is Paul. He gave his life away. Sure, in the world's eyes, he may not have, he may have gone through a lot of pain and a lot of persecution. But at the same time, while he was in jail being tortured, he was praising to God. And that's an example in my life. When I look at that and I see that, that just pumps me up. And it's like, that's what I want. I want to be somebody who is living and being used by God. But at the same time, when I'm being persecuted, I still feel the joy and the love from God that I'm able to sing praise to him. And I think that like is a, is a perfect example of like ministry and, and what ministry should look like in pain is still praising God in jail while being tortured. And I think that that it's a, it's a total sacrifice. It's, it's giving your life away. Like what Paul did, he 360 and he gave his life away and lived for God. And that's what I mean. That's that's what will take a total, complete sacrifice of your life. Yeah, that's that's probably a big question for us guys. And, and I think that's what holds a lot of guys back in the, the whole faith journey is that I, I'm OK with going to church. I think it's good if I'm a husband and I have kids and, and we have a family. I think it's a positive thing. There, there are a lot of guys that I've met and I've, I've met along the way that that's that's the, the read that I get on them is they're fine with going in and being a part of the church. They're fine with going in and having their kids be involved in the youth group or in their kids programs or whatever, doing the, the Christmas plays and all that stuff. And, um, but when it comes down to that big word surrender, nah, I'm not going to put my career on the line. I'm not going to put myself, you know, in a position where I'm reliant on anybody else. I mean, there are those men today that are, they're self-reliant. They want to be self-reliant. They want to be about them. And I think, in our culture that that tends to be a detriment. We end up isolating ourselves. A lot of guys live a life in quiet desperation. There are a lot of guys that you can look at one day and you feel like they're on the top of the world. They have everything going for them. And look at all the NFL players. Look at all the different people that are, that are in our, in our entertainment industry that, that they, they take their own lives. They, they don't find that the stuff they were pursuing is really worth it. And uh, so we have to ask the bigger question. Why is that? I mean, is there a deeper calling yeah. for us guys? Well, I think for me too, also, it's kind of keeping things in perspective. I'm giving this life away, yes, but I have eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I think us men, we have to realize that, sure, we may not be doing exactly 100% what we want to do every second, but at the same time, we're serving Christ and he has the ultimate prize and ultimate gift to us, which is heaven. So, I mean, that should inspire you to live for him while you're on earth. I mean, it's I'm, it's not easy. It's never going to be easy. But that's the price you pay for eternity, I think. I mean, Jesus and, and paid you know that what, price. Though? I, I mean, that was very male of you. I mean, you're talking of, <laughs> in this sense, you're talking about it's the ultimate victory, looking at it. And that's right. I mean, that, that's good. If you were a lady, you'd be saying the, the ultimate victory is the closeness to God that I will receive. Mm-hmm. And, and that's for eternity. And, and both of those would be right. So, so that's just a little difference in perspective. Mm-hmm. Even the verses you shared earlier, Jeff, in, in Joshua 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him sincerely and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the You know, it's like 
This is how you get there. You need to fear God first. If men are listening to us and they don't fear God, step one isn't taken. Fear meaning understanding who he is in the sense that he's God and and Dave is not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very important. And then serve him with sincerity. In other words, I I just want to give because I'm made to give. I I want to give because I love God and I love people. And in faithfulness, don't quit when it gets hard. And put away the gods. In other words, if you remember the story, there were were things that that got into the the people's lives that kept them from God. Get rid of them. And then that's where, you know. Uh, choose this day who you're going to serve. So I, I, I think that's a very important passage. I love the men that are listening and even the women to go to that passage and, and read it about 100 times. Just just read it and ask God to speak to their hearts, and God's Word can speak for itself. Check it out for yourself. Give us some feedback and some questions or comments that you have. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com. We're going to take a break and play some music, and we'll be back here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. We're wrapping up the discussion on where all the good men have gone. And Dave, we've been having some great conversations so far. And a lot of your emails are coming in, and uh, we would love to hear from you as well tonight. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com or connect on Facebook and Twitter as usual. So, Dave, loaded conversation. There's so many layers to this conversation. Where all the good men have gone, half of our marriages and in divorce, there are many families today who are going without fathers in their home, some without mothers in their home. And it's not necessarily by choice, but there are many men who are choosing to leave their family for one reason or another. You know, it's it's a sad reality, but I think there's something that each of us guys can do to help take back the numbers, if yeah. you will. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things you said, Jeff, is, is somebody going through life without a dad in their life. Here's what some older men have, have done, and this is just my observation throughout life. Older men and all men are meant to lead. God made us in a certain way so that we take our swords out and we, we charge up the hill. We, we protect our family. We protect the ones we love. We, we lead them. We show them how to live. And for some reason, men in our culture have taken more of a passive role. They tend to segment their life a little bit. They tend to say, my, my leading is by making money and throwing it on a table. Now, you can eat supper. We could have a nice TV. We can, but they don't really lead in a way. And so some of you are feeling very left out. You're feeling lonely. You're feeling like you want to connect. And that's a normal feeling. Uh, you should want to be connecting with somebody who's older. And then, Jeff, we have the problem of you start finding some older guys uh, to connect with, and they start doing things they shouldn't do. They're predators in a way. They're, they're looking for people that, that will come to them and, and help them. And, and it becomes dangerous that way. So we've got a confused generation growing up trying to figure out, okay, I'm watching all these passive guys, and some of the guys that are interested are interested for themselves. They're not really interested in helping me. Uh, let me just lay out real quick the biblical outline for that, I mean the biblical premise. God created each person and loves them. He is the ultimate father. Now, you've got to understand, he'll show us how to do this. Not only does he love them, but he gives us the model. It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. It wasn't that he took, mm-hmm. he gave. Yep. But what you begin to understand is God created all of us to think about what's best for other people. That's love right there. He, he created me. So when I look at Jeff and when I look at Todd, when I look at Kyle here, what I am thinking is, God, what can I do to make their life the best it can be? Now, when I am thinking those thoughts, I am not abusing or hurting them at all. In fact, uh, we had this discussion before on one of the other programs. Jesus never lusted even. And the reason he didn't lust was because he would not use somebody for his own benefit. Yep. And, and the only way you lust is if you're willing to use somebody. Yep. That's the chain, Jeff, that I think we have to break. I, I think that people in our culture, in the United States of America are so self-centered that we're willing to use other people for our own whatever pleasure it is we want. The thing that I would like to break, the link that I would like to break, is the idea that people are on this earth so that we could use them for our pleasure. We have to stop that because we weren't created to do that. God created us to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. And and so Satan wants it that way. And I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's very important perspective. Selfishness is 
probably the best way to sum this up. Oh, what the What the real root cause is of this, every single one of us at our, at our core, because of our sin nature, is going to be selfish. It's going to be focused on you. And it's not necessarily uh, an abusive thing. It's just that person just wanting to be fulfilled themselves yeah, and, I, and finding their own way to fulfill themselves. Yeah, think of how needs. goofy that is, though, Jeff. I mean, think if you're selfish and I'm selfish and we're trying to be good friends, how does that work? I mean, it's tough. There's a, there, in a relationship, there's give and there's take. Yeah. But, but what if we're just doing it? If we're trying to have a relationship and, it's, and the relationship is all about you, okay? It's all, if I'm, I'm in a relationship with you guys and it's all about me, how do we do that? Is it possible? I don't think it's going to work. You're just using each other. Okay. Let, let, let me kind of I, – I did that on purpose because okay. that, that's a tough spot. Yeah. Many people believe in order to be about me and my well-being, I have to be about me and my well-being. That's not how it works. You guys know what is, what is a byproduct, Todd? What's a byproduct? Um, something that comes as a result of something else happening. That's right. And, and you can't make it on its own. You can't make a byproduct on its own. And what we're doing, we're trying to find joy, happiness, fulfillment, success in life. It's a byproduct of loving God and loving others. And that's what we have to adjust. Wow. That is deep because so many people look for happiness and they look for joy and they look for peace. Oftentimes their pursuit of that is they end up missing out on what the process is. Exactly. They miss the whole thing. The the word we use a lot, Jeff, the two words are significance and security. Yep. That's a byproduct. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what they are. It's kind of like I want to look like Arnold, you know, Schwarzenegger. I want to be a big, muscular guy. It's a byproduct of something. You know, it's exercise, lifting weights, that kind of thing. So if you want to do that, you got to lift weights. you got to do that. The byproduct will come. Quit chasing the byproduct. Chase the truth. <laughs> Chase the truth. Yeah. And the byproduct takes care of itself. You don't have to deal with it. you got to put yourself in position. And right. so uh, there's something that I think is really pretty rampant among a lot of guys. This is this problem with insecurity. Yeah. So many men, Dave, you're a very secure guy. I mean, you can you can look a guy in the eye and have a, a conversation, and your your eyes will never waver from them. But so many guys that I've had a conversation with, their eyes shift. Yeah, they can't look you in the eye. Right. They they struggle with who they are inside. They struggle with what kind of man they really are, and and they think that their own weaknesses dictate who they are, and their own struggles own them. Let me throw a perspective dart in there, if I can. Yes. The reason a lot of people fear mentoring. My life isn't what it should have been. I have all these problems. I'm not sure I'm going to have the answers. And and what I would like to, to just suggest is that they're making it about them and their ability. Mm-hmm. That isn't what we're mentoring for. It, it You know, I'm not going to mentor Todd and Kyle here so that they are Dave Wager in the future. What I want to do is kind of point them to Christ. Remember when the Apostle Peter was a failure? He was a total failure. He was, out, he was out fishing. He gave up everything that he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And Jesus called him. And he said to Peter, you know, go feed my sheep. Well, it was interesting. He said it three times. And, and the interesting thing is Peter was saying, I am a failure. I am not worthy. Mm-hmm. I cannot do this. And Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase myself. He would be really saying, well, then it's good. It's not about you, Peter. It needs to be about me. Yeah. The thing that I get great strength, you know, you mentioned that, that you know, I'll look somebody in the eye and have confidence. You know what gives me great strength? What's that? It's about God. It really is. Dave Wager is a failure. He has made mistakes. He is somebody that you do not want to follow necessarily in the human flesh. However, with all of that said, if I make it about me, then my, the guys that I mentor are going to be bums. Mm-hmm. But if I make it about God, it might work. That's the deal. So anybody out there is qualified if you love God and you want to represent him. Your past shouldn't hold you down. And guys, I I really want to encourage you to, those that are in the position to mentor someone, the small things are the ones that matter. What you do with your time. When you have free time, how do you spend your free time? What do you do? When nobody's looking, what do you do? When you care about the small things, the big things will find their place. The big things will come. We're now looking at a culture, and, and I'm saying to you, man up. Yeah. We've got it all on the same page. We all have to man up yeah. and take responsibility. And take responsibility not for the big things, but for the small things, yeah. the things that we find that are insignificant, and yet they mean all the world. You know what? And, and as you said that, Jeff, I'm thinking, you know, there might be a lot of young people out there going, yeah, i got to find an old guy like that. Cause, no, You know what? You need to be that kind of person too. Right. Kyle and uh, Todd, as, as we've met, one of the things that have uh, that I'm possessed by is helping you guys be successful. And uh, one of the more encouraging things to me is watching Todd and Kyle 
take an interest in others and their well-being. That's what we're really about. Right now, you guys are involved in what ways working with other people? I'm helping out working um, at a couple youth groups in town. One of them is a junior high youth group, and one of them is a high school one. And just trying to get the students involved to do some music and try to put that into perspective about how music should not just be about about us. So you're way, intentional so. about that. You're working yes. on me doing that. Yep. You're also a, a, an RA here at Nicolay Bible Institute, so you're working mm-hmm. with students. Yep. Are That's, you intentional uh, about meeting with them? And Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where, like we were talking about, it takes two people. There are some students that, you know, I mean, they enjoy hanging out or whatever, but there's some students, other students, that really seek out spending time with me. And so those are the ones that I give a lot of attention. Not that I want to pick favorites or anything, but the ones that are deliberate about wanting to grow. Yeah. Man, I've had some awesome conversations. It, that's an important point, Todd. I mean, there, there are some people that are easier to mentor, right? Yeah. Be easy to mentor if you're listening. Don't don't be one who wants to fight all the time. Be easy to mentor in the sense that you want that. And Kyle, what are you doing with young people right now? I'm mentoring one guy in particular, and then I have a couple other guys I'm meeting with and talking with pretty pretty regularly. So, I mean, there's a couple guys. In and you're life. in youth club and... Yeah, I'm I'm helping run a youth group, hanging out with a bunch of little kids. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I guess yeah. The point I'm trying to make is is what we need to be able to do is be good at allowing mentoring, mm-hmm. but also look at there's two layers here. I've been working as an older guy with these two guys. They are working already with younger people. So those of you that are sitting there saying I I don't have an older person to do this, you need to love the Lord and start looking for somebody younger that you can help, and and you start breaking this chain. Yep. Well, this has been a great conversation. This is not the end of it, but you can always email us your thoughts at hope at hopenet360.com or get connected on Facebook and Twitter with us. We're going to take a break and play some music. You've got it locked into HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio tonight. We're going to shift gears. We've just talked about some of the most complicated subjects, I think, that are out there and talking about fatherhood and where all the good men have gone. And so if you missed it, you'll have to podcast it on iTunes or on our website, HopeNet360.com. And uh, anytime during the show or during the week when you're listening, you can email us at hope at hopenet360.com and get in on the conversation uh, because this is more than just us talking to you. It's you being a part of our conversation. So this part of it, Dave, I really do want to talk about the upcoming holiday, if you will. Halloween is in full swing in a lot of our communities. And I'm just interested and I just have to ask the question and maybe I'm just way off here, guys, but... Why do we have this fascination with spiritual things and like dark spiritual things? Have you noticed this? Is yeah. this is this a new thing for us or I mean, why are we so fascinated with dark spiritual things? It's depressing. I don't know. I I really can't give you that answer. I think it's it's become kind of a tradition as where I mean, for me Halloween was always trick or treating, but for some people it's haunted houses and scaring yourself, so that might have something to do with it trying to get like a high off getting scared and um it is actually it's it's freaky i don't really know even how to describe it or why they would be doing that you know it is it, it, it's it's amazing there's there's something to every little boy i think that grows up that likes to scare people i mean i used to like to scare people uh throw a spider at some girl at class or you know something like that and there's something you get a giggle out of that when you're a little boy about five years old and uh somehow you think that's funny um you know, as you get older, I don't know how many people have spent a lot of time around those who have been dying or or, or spent a lot of time at funerals. I have. Um, there's nothing funny about that. No. In, in fact, um, here's what seems to have to happen in all things that are bad in life that start to become normal. Um, people have to minimize it. And right now, if you look around, when I when I travel right now and I look on the lawns, and I, it's like people are celebrating graveyards. And, and things that they don't understand. Um, I, I see, uh, you know, statues in the yard with axes and heads. And, and you sit there and look at it going, you know what? A, a decent people would not think that we should celebrate that. That's all. I'm not even using the Bible right now. I'm just thinking, 
is there something that we would celebrate about putting an axe in a guy's head? Or, is it, I mean, is that something we want to put on our lawn and get excited about? I I don't understand it myself. So yeah. I, if somebody could please explain that to me, I, I, I would it's, have a better understanding. When you, when you start talking rationally about it, Dave, it seems like it's totally ridiculous. But this is probably... For the world standard, for the, I guess, if you want to call it the pagan standard, this is the big holiday of the year. I mean, it's so, it's so the biggest, I think, spiritual holiday of the year. I mean, you can have, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day, President's Day, but there's something very spiritual about this holiday. And it's not the good spiritual thing. It's, it's really the dark spiritual stuff. And um, I'm, I'm intrigued by our fascination with it. You think of some of the recent movies that have come out and some of the recent books and all that. Uh, Harry Potter is a, a big, big uh, book series that has been out in the past 10 years. And uh, Bewitched was an old classic television show. I, maybe it was a movie, too. It was before my time a little bit, but um, <laughs> dating myself. Yeah, well. Twilight, another book, another movie. Vampires. I mean, we're... We're culture, interestingly enough, I see such a paradox here, but we're, we're put into a, a box where it looks like our culture is going to be over, overrun with the movement of atheism, where you have people that rise up that say there's no religion, there's no God. This is all just a bunch of man-made gobbledygook that doesn't really matter in life, and so why should we even have religion? And yet, we have people that are over-spiritualized, they hyper-spiritualize stuff. And they're so wrapped up in, like, angels and demons and vampires and ghosts. And, like, they're looking for a demon around every corner. So it, there's such an interesting paradox. You've got two extremes. You've got there is no spiritual stuff. And then there's all spiritual stuff. Yeah. And it's so funny when you when you, you think about these, these two different camps, how we come to grips with that. But I think it just shows a greater thing, Dave, that we do have spiritual interests. I mean, there's something beyond just what we see in our, our physical surroundings. Uh, you know, there's something going on that's way beyond what we we feel and sense in, in our senses. And and it's important that we understand that. And it's obvious to everybody. And it's really biblical as well. There's a spiritual warfare that goes on. What's really interesting is what you're talking about, though, Jeff. You know, I, I remember as a kid, Bewitched was on, you know, television and seemed kind of harmless to me, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, lady twitches her nose and gets all kinds of cool stuff happening. It, <laughs> it wasn't a real big deal. But as time got on, when I was a kid, Grew up in Chicago area. We celebrated Halloween. And my dad was a pastor. There was no problem there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even had houses. We'd bring people in and, and scare them and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't really devilish stuff. It was just uh, loud noises and lights and that kind of stuff. Just different. Sure. Um, and really, if I remember Halloween very much, the greatest time on Halloween for me was, was going around and getting candy. And that's really what we had it about. It was a time for kids to pretend. Now, here's what I would like to expand on, though. Through the years, the pretend world, the make-believe, actually belongs to the dark world. Truth and reality belong to the light. There's nothing wrong with imagination, and there's nothing wrong with pretend. But we have to be careful because ideas have consequences. And now down the road, when we look at, in my day when I was a young man, you wouldn't have decorated your house with gravestones and guys with axes in their heads and that kind of stuff. You wouldn't have done it. You might have had uh, funny characters or something like that or, or, or jack-o'-lanterns or whatever else, but you you weren't doing that. And and what was very interesting now is it's it's not only taken on a real dark side, um, and death is dark, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's a penalty for sin. But it's become acceptable to most people that we actually have a day in the year where we celebrate the dark side of things. Hmm. And and I'm thinking, why? that That can't be good for anybody. Yeah. When you think about that. It, it's, it is interesting, but it, it just shows how we are spiritual beings. I mean, there's something that we realize that's more. And I'm wondering, Dave, is it crazy to talk about spirits? No, it, it isn't. And, and I think all through the, the, the life, you want to feel odd for a moment, go out in the, uh, in the dead of the night, in the winter, and uh, find a lake in northern Wisconsin and, and get a good snowmobile suit on and lay on the, in the snow and stare at the sky. And I want to tell you something. You're going to see things that are amazing up there. I'm not talking about spirits. I'm talking about stars. While, <laughs> while, you're, while you're looking, though. I was getting scared there, Dave. Yeah, no. What, <laughs> yeah. yeah. While you're looking up, you will be convinced that there is a God. You will. You'll, you'll be looking and you go, wow, look at this. How did this come to be? When you start understanding the fact, we've talked about this in other shows, 
you know, I, I have a pen in my hand. We understand that it had a designer and it had a purpose and that kind of stuff. So we're not going to talk about that now. But the bottom line is, when you understand that there is a God and that he does love, you will also understand that love demands a choice, a real choice. And therefore, the Bible calls it light and dark. And I would challenge anyone who isn't even a Christian that might be listening, you can see that out there. Mm -hmm. You can see light and dark. Uh, Mother Teresa, what did she do in her life? She went to help people who were lepers. She went. To, she gave her life. Okay, is is that light or dark thing? Th- that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You, you go help somebody that needs help. We see it all the time. All right, how about a guy that uh, steals a little girl and uses her for uh, making money in a, in in the in the sex slave industry? Good or bad? Oh, that's bad. Yeah. See, now that's pretty clear. We didn't use the Bible even for any of that right now. I, we could, but we didn't. So, so what we at least have to admit as a, as a country is there are some things that are clearly bad, some things that are clearly dark. And I would ask people, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. That's the spirit world right there. You, you do know it because it's obvious to all what is right. Now, what happens after a while is you get worn down. For example, if I'm watching hours and hours and hours of sexual stuff on television, pornography, whatever, Pretty soon, I'm kind of callous to all that. Yep. And, and now I'm not aware of the darkness anymore because I'm so used to living <laughs> in it. And, and that's it. And what yeah. happens is, and that's what's interesting. Did you ever think about when you walk in a room, you don't turn on darkness? Right. You turn on light. Right. Why don't you turn on darkness? Well, darkness doesn't exist it, yeah, it, to begin with. It's right. And you can't turn it on. And, and light always chases away darkness. Yeah. Always. So yep. what happens is... In life, and I want to challenge our listeners to watch, those who possess the light, in other words, those who are living according to the way God made it and allowing God to work in their lives, it will be evident. Yes, it will. And those who aren't, it will be evident. And one side will be dark, the other side will be light. Yep. And, and, and you can watch that and see it. All right, we're going to talk more about this darkness and light when we come back. We're going to take a break. You have it locked in to HopeNet Radio tonight. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, Hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Tonight we're talking about spiritual things. And um, and I had to ask the question before. Uh, if It's crazy to talk about spiritual things because it seems like our culture is saying, let's not talk about spiritual things unless they have to do with darkness or goblins or ghosts or all these different things um, that are more or less dark spirits. And so maybe I'm just way whack. If I am, you should email us at hope at hopenet360.com tonight. Dave, I think it's really important that we, we talk about these couple different things, light and dark, and kind of clarify this. You're a science kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, You know, you probably have taken some physics or taken, you know, a few science classes in your day. A bunch I don't even know how to spell. Yeah. But (laughs) this is, I think this is a very complicated issue. But tell me, which one do you think exists? Do you think darkness exists? No. Do you think? It can't. How, why? Darkness is just the absence of light. And, and, and it's because it's, it's evident everywhere. Nobody can create darkness. It's the absence of something. The absence of love is despair, anger, hopelessness, etc. That's the absence of it. The absence of light is darkness. The way you cure these things is by having what's intended to be there, there. That's why even in the Bible it says that all eternity, we don't need light. God's the light. There will be no darkness ever. Hmm. See, darkness is just the absence of something. And uh, when people are absent from light, they're absent from love, they're absent from, boy, their lives are not good. Yeah. Kyle, does this, do you think this also parallels with hot and cold? Like, do you think, do you think cold exists then? Probably not. It's just the absence of heat. I would say it's probably, I guess not. I, that's a tougher snows. question, Jeff. That snows. So that, that's snows. a tougher one. No, I said it's tougher. I mean, we'd have to we'd have to philosophize on that one. I, I, I'm not I mean, sure. I'm a, yeah, 
Does it have to do I'm no scientist like Dave. Let's, let's so it's well, let me ask you difficult. this. When does it become cold? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. if you're in northern Wisconsin, is, is <laughs> you know, 20 degrees cold? No. Yeah. If you're in Arizona, man, it's terrible. So it, I think that's a tougher question. Yeah, it is. What but is the essence of cold? What is the essence thank you. of cold? <laughs> Uh, what a it is interesting though because our our society this time of year I mean you've probably driven past a couple of ghoulish displays um, and our our I guess our our fascination with even superstition I mean we're we get paranoid about Friday the Thirteenth stuff some of us I mean there there are clinical phobias on this stuff you know fear of different things that are spiritual in nature i mean they're not, they're not just like physical things like i'm afraid of heights okay that's realistic you know i'm afraid of spiders okay you can see them but then it's like the fear of things that you can't see like that spider that's probably on my ceiling that's ready to drop in my face like there are there are just we have we have phobias of of things that we can't even see and yet we're afraid and uh and i think that's a again a byproduct with this this darkness thing Dave, have you seen some really crazy spiritual things in your experience? You, you know, I have. Um, in fact, one of the things that, that we have to understand is Satan or evil wants to normalize itself in our culture. That's part of the goal is to normalize things that are dark, normalize things that aren't right. In fact, if you understand how culture changes at all, you realize that the first part of change is that you have to make something that's not acceptable, acceptable. You have to do that. You have to make something that's not normal, normal, in other words. And, and so what happens through the long run is that that's what happens uh, in this sense. I mean, look at television through the year. Leave it to Beaver was real popular. And now, you know, now look at the television programs. Something happened along the way to make something else acceptable. Mm. Uh, and, and so now a whole culture believes something else is acceptable. Uh, when Linda and I, uh, m- my wife and I watch or look at Facebook, that kind of thing, the way that young people talk today about all these private things, see, th- things are becoming more acceptable to have uh, discussions on things that used to be private kind of thing. So it's just more acceptable. And, 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 but that's not the whole of it. That's just when things start to change, that's the first step, is that the things that were not acceptable, the things that were not normal need to be made normal. But there's a second step to that. The, the things that were normal then need to be made deviant. So, so like uh, when you talk about Christianity, Okay, Christianity, it needed to be acceptable that it wasn't dominant or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then Christians need to be made deviant at that point. They, they need to, to go the other way now and say, uh, like on Halloween celebrations or something, those who don't believe in Halloween, they need to be called right-wing conservative uh, Nazis or something. And, and now all of a sudden, they've got a bad face. So it's not just the new acceptability. It's making what was acceptable bad. That's how Satan works. Let me give you an example. Um, years ago, I think it was McDonald's gave out Pokemon cards. Was it McDonald's? I think you, you had to buy the cards. Oh, you had packs. to buy the cards? Yeah, and packs. Okay. Well, they, they used to have this Pokemon card. And most people looked at those things, and they were just goofy like cards with goofy pictures on them and stuff. We have a missionary friend down in Venezuela. His name is Mike. And, uh, and a lot of times people in the States will pack things up for their kids and, and send them down to them. Mm-hmm. And they sent them down these, these Pokemon cards as part of a package. So um, Mike was down in his home, and he was taking out the stuff from the package that came. And one of his friends was there from the village. Now, he lives in the Amazon jungle, all right? So he lives in the tribe. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the, the first people that came to Christ in the tribe, one of the first leaders, his name is Shoefoot. And uh, I know, we don't name people that, but his no, name is Shoefoot. that's unusual. Um, and, and his story alone is amazing in how he came to Christ. This guy, this guy was a, a dark worshiper. He was a worship a guy who worshiped Satan. I mean, when they used to sing Christian songs in the village, he would scream because he couldn't get his spirits to go in. I mean, that kind of stuff. So, so this guy was a witch doctor wow. is what I called him. Yep. Uh, the real name is shaman um, that they call him. Oh, um, yes. Okay. So he was a shaman, a witch doctor, the real thing now. And, and I've met him. So those of you that don't believe in a dark world, uh, you don't understand. It, it, it exists. I've met the people that are in it. It's unbelievable. Well, as Mike was unpacking these cards, these Pokemon cards, Shoefoot looked at him and said, what are you doing with those? And he said, well, I give them to my kids. He goes, why are you going to do that? Th- those are the demons we gave to our children when I worship Satan. And, and Mike said, oh, wow. really? Really? And he said, yeah. So Mike said, name them. And he did. Now, this guy doesn't even know how to read. He named every single one of them when he showed him the picture. 
And then Mike played a little bit further and said, okay, tell me about them. Okay, and he told them about each one. And, and, and if you know, I guess the cards on the back had a description of what they were. Yeah. And this guy nailed them all. Wow. And, and so that was really interesting. So, you know, for those of us who want to be skeptical, go ahead. You know, that stuff doesn't happen by accident. There, there's really a darkness, a spiritual war. There's things that, we, you know, what did Satan work at? Well, I started off telling you. First, he's got to make it acceptable. I mean, that's the first thing. And, and what he did is he, he made it so that kids could go. I do believe they had them at McDonald's and the Happy Meals at times. Uh, I'm not sure, though. But, kind of. but some, maybe Burke and whatever. But they, they had them somewhere where you were getting them for free. And then you could buy them in the store. But, but somehow kids had to make that thing acceptable. And then Satan, all he needs is an entry point. He needs to get his foot in the door. And I'm warning you, once he does, it's tough to get it out. Yeah, well, it's amazing because somebody created those cards. Someone came up with yes. those, and they put the names on. They drew pictures of them and all that stuff. And again, it just it shows that there's something bigger than us out there. Yeah, I know, mean, that that orchestrates all this stuff. Because, like, how do all of us come together and we we figure all this stuff out? It's just it's beyond us. Yeah, you know, think about it, Todd. You're an artist, so so think about what if what if you created those cards? You created them, and then a few years later. A shaman down in the rainforest of, of another country could tell you everything about those characters you created. I would be extremely weirded out. Yeah. That, yeah. I would probably never draw again. <laughs> I mean, that's what yeah. we're talking about here. So uh, for people to deny darkness is foolishness. It's there. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it creeps up on you. It doesn't take over right away. It, it comes on you in an acceptable way, and Satan knows that. Yes, he does, and he's very good at that. And, uh, you know, darkness itself doesn't exist. It's the absence of light. And so maybe tonight you've been in darkness. You've been stuck in darkness, maybe a depressing time in your life or something, and uh, you need to talk to somebody. Our coaching lines are open. You can go to HopeNet360.com, click on the Talk to a Live Coach button, and chat now with a live coach about stuff that you are dealing with and going through tonight. So we're going to take a break and play some music. Keep it here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. Get in on the conversation. Email us during the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Or if you're listening on podcast, you can still email us. It works the same way. And we will respond to your emails as well. So, Dave, tonight we're talking about some heavy topics. We're talking about darkness. We're talking about light. We're talking about spiritual things. And we're going to continue this conversation next week as well. But we do have some more to go on this. And I think it's really important to understand because we're talking to two different types of people. You know, we're, we're obviously talking to teenagers, young adults, parents, maybe grandparents, whomever. We're also talking to people who are of the faith, who believe in Christ and, and um, believe and have understood what the Bible says about spiritual things. But we're also talking to people who have no idea or who have tried to find their own way or have maybe been on a spiritual journey and they're asking spiritual questions, but they're, they haven't quite understood how this all works in, in real life. And so I want to just address those two camps more or less. And even if you're listening to the show and you, you have no idea about this whole God thing, you're skeptical, whatever, that's fine. Um, we're looking at it from the persuasion that there are spiritual things that happen in our world, things that we can't explain. There are people that have, have said, you know, I've seen a ghost or I've seen angels or some maybe demonic influence or something that was just, it was crazy. It scared them because it was something that you couldn't physically see, but you just, you could feel. And so whether or not you're a person of faith, the Christian faith gives us the best perspective to look from. I, I believe that the Bible gives us insight on spiritual things. And that's why we rely on it because it's there's really no other book that can really address spiritual matters, things that happen on the other side of of reality and uh, in the heavens that we don't get to see. And we've talked about Job, and we got a perspective there from God and from Satan, and you know how things happen there. I don't want to be superstitious about spiritual stuff, but I do want us to have an open conversation and start asking these questions of: Do spiritual things really happen, or are we just making this stuff up, Dave? Um, how do we determine whether we're being influenced by the light or if we're influenced by the dark. On yeah, this. you know, I think Jesus really uh, addresses this throughout the scriptures. And, and one of the things he says very clearly is, you will know those who are in the light or those who follow him 
by their fruit. You know, when I walk up to an apple tree, I am not confused as to what kind of tree it is when it has apples on it. If I walk up to an apple tree and say it's a pomegranate tree, I'm not paying attention. You know, the apples make it an apple tree. Those who live in the light act like they live in the light. I mean, they really do. One day I got up, middle of the night, we had the power go out at our house, mm-hmm. and, and I had to uh, obviously get up and find a flashlight. Like, you keep a flashlight where you should, but no, I don't. So I had to get up and get it. I'm walking down the hall, and about halfway down the hall, I, I, I run right into a door I left open. And, and so I, you know, I close it yeah. and, and, and start again. I, I run into the next door I left open. I, I ran into two doors going no. down the hallway because there was no light, and, and I forgot I left them open. Was there a black cat? Uh, no, no. But see, here's what's interesting. When you walk in darkness, you pay the price. It, and it's obvious that you will pay the price. And, and that's what Jesus said. When you look at people, it is obvious the outcome of their life. And the outcome of a life that is in darkness, it's going to be very self-centered. You're going to see that. They will use people for their own well-being. And, and, and they will leave a strip of carnage behind them of people because of the fact that they're willing to use people and things for themselves only, and that's darkness. Mm-hmm. Where it takes a supernatural power, believe it or not, to actually want to live your life in a way that helps others succeed no matter what it costs you. And that's what Jesus said in John 3, that God so loved that he gave. And, and he gave why? Because he was going to benefit? No, so that I would benefit, so that you would benefit. There's the fruit right there. Yeah. Somebody with power, somebody with authority, somebody that could do it, they did it for somebody else and not for self-centered gain. And so I would encourage people, you want to know what light and darkness is? Look at the fruit in that sense. Look at, look at the outcome of the faith. Mm-hmm. Look at the outcome of how their life is. And don't let them spin it. We're good at spinning things. Yeah. But, but down the road. And I think that's the only way to do it because that's the way God gave us. You know, it's it's very interesting in, in the community around us here in Northeast Wisconsin, there's a lot of spiritual darkness. There's a spiritual heaviness around our community. There's a, a wide, please take this with a, a grain of salt. It's not, I'm not, I have nothing against Catholic Church, but there are a lot of people who are very religious, who are very spiritual about things, but there's no relationship. There's no connection there. And it's more of it's either a very superstitious, hyper-spiritual perspective, or it's an extremely dark where there's there are addictions. There's, you know, alcohol abuse is a big thing in our city. And Absolutely. I, I, I really, I, I'm not saying alcohol is a bad thing, but people have asked why I really don't drink much. Yeah. And it's because there is something very powerful about substances that we put into our body. Yeah. And when we get addicted to things like alcohol or like even cigarettes or marijuana or other harder drugs, there are very spiritual things that happen in a person's life who are addicted to substances yeah. like that. Are there not? Yeah. You know, and you said something that as a 57-year-old guy, I'll be on the opposite side of Jeff there. I'll say, I, I, I don't think alcohol has a place in your life. And, and the reason is, is the fruit. I mean, that's how you judge things. Almost every disaster that I have dealt with, with people counseling, that kind of thing, when I preach in prisons and talk to guys, alcohol played a, a terrible role and what happened. So I have determined that alcohol is dark. I mean, because of the fruit that I see that it bears. Yes. That's all. Yes. And, 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 and if you want to get into more specifics, whatever, you can email me. Don't even bother Jeff on that one. I, <laughs> it is it's one of those things. But yes. it, that's how we determine things. I also have determined other things in life don't work because of the fact that they end up in darkness. Yep. And so I don't even want to head down that path, and I don't want to send anyone down that path. That's what it is more for me is I don't want to send somebody down that path. Right. I mean, that's... I know where my hope lies, but for somebody who is really on the fence with this whole faith thing, you know, there are spiritual things, and I think there are things that we can allow in our lives. It's not just that. It's movies. It's music we listen to that can open a door. And you talk just so brilliantly about these entry points that Satan uses. We can can probably take another show on the entry points. But for tonight, for this conversation, it's really important to realize that we do have spiritual things that happen around us, stuff that we can't explain. And... We have this, I guess, innate desire for something more than just what we see and what we feel and what we sense. You know, there's a movie called The Sixth Sense, and I'm not recommending you watch it, um, but it's intriguing that we are so interested in spiritual things. This is, it's grabbed us. And so we live in a, in a society that there are people that want to believe that we need to throw out religion, throw out faith, and just get rid of it altogether because it's a bunch of superstitious rules and beliefs and, and uh, it ruins our society. But yet, we have things we can't explain in our life. Yeah. And so we need to talk about these things and have an open, honest conversation. And so if tonight, if that's you, 
you want to talk more about spiritual things, there are a lot of questions that we can go on. And I'm not saying let's look behind every curtain for a demon and call it out. But we really need to understand what the truth is about these spiritual things and how we recognize if we're being influenced by God or if we're being influenced by Satan. I really believe these are two very real people, persons, and um, that God is very much real and angels are very much real. And so is God's spirit. It's very much real. And we can see darkness. We see things that are, are happening in our society that are very much evil. And there's something greater that's happening that's influencing a bigger picture. So, again, it's not a it's not a superstitious thing. We just want to talk about it because people in our community are asking these questions. And um, so we're going to leave this conversation here and we'll continue this next week. Uh, I want to take care of a couple of housekeeping things on it. This month, October, uh, we are... Asking you, if you are an adult and you are interested in becoming part of the coaching team on Groundwire, if you'd consider becoming a live spiritual coach, uh, we have literally thousands of young people every single month that come on and they talk They talk to somebody. And these somebodies are people that are average, average adults. And we talked about mentoring earlier on in this show. And this is an opportunity for you guys, or maybe you moms, uh, maybe empty nesters, and you want to give some perspective to young people who are looking for answers and, uh, and we have the greatest hope of the world in Jesus Christ. And so maybe you've thought about just being available for an hour a week or two hours a week uh, each night, you know, for an hour or two, um, just to talk and be available when someone comes in looking for these answers. So you can learn more about becoming a live coach at HopeNet360.com slash coach and uh, become a live coach this month and partner with our team at Groundwire. Um, this is a great opportunity for you to, to just understand how to mentor somebody. So uh, become a coach this month, and uh, you can get information on our website, hopenet360.com. Also, in just a couple of weeks, here at Q90FM, we are doing our biannual share which is our big fundraiser. Every six months, we take three days, and we raise funds for the ministry overall. And so if you're listening to this show and you've thought about maybe supporting it or you love what you're hearing on it and want it to continue, consider supporting us during Q-Drive. And uh, just do whatever you can financially to help the ministry go further, to keep us on the air, and to, and to uh, continue to minister to people in this area, and to give hope. Again, this is the show where conversations save lives. And uh, we're not just one radio show, we're a whole radio ministry. And so we would love for you to be a part of that. You can get information on Q Drive itself at q90fm.com. So uh, for all of us here on HopeNet Radio, thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to continue this conversation next week. So until we chat again, have a great week and know that the God of hope is with you. He is there for you. You can go to him anytime you need to with anything you're going through. So thank you guys for joining us here on HopeNet Radio. Bye-bye. Tonight.